1: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 206, and we are recording on November 5th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello! Hello! Hello. So I just want to lodge a complaint right now that I ran out of candy on Halloween night and it was like the trick or treating was mostly done, but I'm just sad I didn't get any leftover peanut butter cups.
0: Oh, I have two giant, I probably have like 10 pounds of candy left. I'm an overbuyer in every situation. And this was no exception.
1: I should have, but we had a bag of like, I don't know, it was like 120 pieces of candy. And I'm pretty sure we only ate 10 ahead of time. So Uh. like, that feels like a lot of candy, but it's not. It's just not. Yeah.
0: My plan is to go onto my like local buy nothing Facebook group and and be like who wants all of this? But yeah. I looked at it this morning and literally everyone else in the neighborhood was also like who wants candy?
1: <laughs> well, Amanda, I think you have my address, so I, do, I
0: will mail you all of my butterfingers. <laughs>
1: All right. Now that I have lodged that complaint, mm-hmm. uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you've never tuned in before, here's how the show works. You or other listeners like you send us a question about what you should read next, what might fill the hole in your little bookish heart from a favorite book, uh, what your book club should read next, what you should get for a friend or a relative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We will do our best to find you your next good read. You can submit those questions either via email to getbooked at or through the show notes. There is a form at the bottom of them on the site. And if you have a time sensitive question and you're looking for a response by a specific date, please put time sensitive in the subject line and also in, uh, well, subject line of the email or in the first line of the form so that we will do our best. If we don't think we'll get to it on the air, we might send you an email response. So keep an eye out for those. Also, here's where we do a little pitch for reviews. If you haven't already reviewed the show, we would love, love, love to see your feedback. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or really wherever. Uh, And yeah, it helps other folks to find the show and we love to see the feedback. So that's my pitch for that. All right, we have some feedback from Jessica, who says, For the listener who wanted a puzzle-slash-action audiobook, it's not by a person of color, but I'm going to recommend An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green. Super fun, great audiobook, good meditations on things like fame and power. It has a female narrator who's bisexual, and her girlfriend is black and explicitly talks about her experience living as a person of color. So fast-paced in dealing with important topics like power and privilege. All right. So, Amanda, you want to tell us about our first question?
0: I do. Always. Okay. Our first question is from Jenny, who says... I have always wanted to travel to Ireland, but haven't been able to make it there yet. I was wondering if you could recommend me a book that will teach me some of the regional history of Ireland bonus for a multi-generational family saga where someone emigrates to America. Some books I've loved with a similar feel to what I'm looking for are The Rebels of Ireland by Edward Rutherford, Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett, Mexico or Texas by James Michener, and Angela's Ashes by Frank McCourt. I enjoy fantasy, police procedural, steampunk YA, cozy misters, and historical fiction, but I'll read anything you recommend, extra bonus points for an audio. Book option.
1: All right, so before we give our Rex, it's time
2: for our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read, and I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love.
1: Ireland slash emigration slash
0: whatnot. What do you got? Um. Okay, I picked Milkman by Anna Burns, which is not a multi-general fa- family saga. But I love this book for wanting to get a feel for I- Irish history because, well, it doesn't actually tell you that it takes place in Ireland, but it does. Like, it becomes very obvious from... From the jump, Um, and it is about an unnamed narrator who lives in Northern Ireland, and I think it's a place in like the '70s during the Troubles. Um, And she is uh, a young adult; I think she's like 19, 20, Um, and she's just trying to survive. Like she lives with her mother and her and several of her sisters, um, trying to like keep her head down and be unnoticed because in this situation, showing any form of like eccentricity or um, difference from your neighbors can get you like well killed, like very literally. murdered in the streets and so she's trying to just like survive right and like enjoy her life um and then she catches the eye of the titular milkman who is a head of like a, a local political group that's like you know wanted by the authorities and is very dangerous um and he starts stalking her and she's just trying to avoid him and that's like most of the book um And it sounds like, you know, it sounds a little bit, I think maybe irrelevant to your question, but there's so much in here about Irish culture, especially during that time period and the ways that it shaped. Everything, like every single part of their lives, what churches you attended, what streets you were allowed to walk down, even what you named your children, because some names were like too English. Um, the TV shows that you watch, there are characters who do leave and who move to move to the US or move to some some of the characters move to South America um, and various and sundry other areas of the world um, to escape the political situation and try to find more peace uh, in their lives but uh, it doesn't have that you know I know what you're going for with like the James Michener and these you know sagas that take place over hundreds of years and this really just takes place over a few months but it's such a great snapshot and it's so good on audio because it's a little bit experimental it's like kind of a Virginia Woolf stream of consciousness sort of book and so if you listen to it on audio you get you really just fall into this like rhythm of her thoughts and her internal monologue and it's like very oddly soothing even though it's a book about like a girl in a very dangerous situation um, and has like some violence and stuff like that. But it is, it's just amazing. It was probably my favorite book that I've read this year total. So that's Milkman by Anna Burns.
1: I also do not have a (laughs) multi-generational saga for you. I'm sorry. But I think you will enjoy my pick if you haven't already read it. It's Brooklyn by Colm Tobin. And this is about a young woman who leaves Ireland in the 1950s uh, after World War II because she just cannot find a job in her small town village. Like she's a skilled bookkeeper, but there's like no there's no work for her. And so an Irish priest from Brooklyn offers to sponsor her in America and, like, says, like, hey, there's this neighborhood in Brooklyn. It's just like Ireland. Don't worry. <laughs> she, like, she goes. Uh, and she leaves behind, you know, her family, who she's very attached to, her mother and sister. Um, but, you know, this is her best option. And it's really lovely because it's all about Eilish, like, She is still so attached and rooted in her, you know, Irish culture and her life and finds, you know, a lot of echoes of that in Brooklyn. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> especially at that time period. Um, but she also is starting to understand like who she might be if she wasn't just like Ailish from small town Ireland, right? And so the book is about this tension between trying to do the things that are expected of her and best for her family and what's her duty to her family and to her country. And then what does she want? And the ending, is like it's intense uh, I like I still have unresolved feelings about Whoa. the ending of this I mean you know it's it is it's like a quiet little book but there's big feelings hiding inside there and there are multiple weirdly multiple audiobooks one of which is narrated by a woman named Neve Cusack who I don't know but she's got an Irish first name so she probably gets all the names right which is always <laughs> nice uh, so that might be a fun listen um, but yeah I think it's like if you're looking for for, like, the feel is what it sounds like you're looking for. Uh, this is definitely going to give you that. So, again, that's Brooklyn by Colm Tobin. Okay, our next question is from Catherine. Who says, I've only just started reading and watching horror. When I was a kid, I was frightened very easily and stayed away entirely. Uh, Turns out, not so much. I've watched so much horror that other people have assured me is the scariest thing they've ever seen. And I'm just like, no, what's scary? Uh So I have read and watched Haunting of Hill House recently and loved both, but didn't feel so much as vaguely unsettled when reading, watching it, even in the dead of night. Same goes for it and the other Stephen King books I've read, The Quiet Place and a bunch of other horror movies. I really like *Pan*. Labyrinth and all of Del Toro's films, though, again, wasn't scared. Uh, do you guys know of any books that will just scare the living hell out of me? Only interested in horror books with some sort of supernatural element. Also, please don't recommend Bird Box. <laughs> 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 That's great.
0: Um, Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I will just keep talking. I have the opposite problem of you. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm scared mm-hmm. by everything. So I went to the contributors to get help with this one. And Jessica Woodbury, who said she is also not scared by anything said that she was deeply unsettled by The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher. And I will just tell you that from reading the description, I am never reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a young woman who gets called back to rural North Carolina to clear out her, you know, her her grandmother has recently died, and so somebody needs to, like, clean out the house and do something with all this stuff. And so she's like, alright, I, I guess I'll do it. And it turns out her grandmother was a hoarder, and it's full of like horrible gross debris and just mounds and mounds of things. And then Mouse, her name is Mouse, uh, stumbles across her stepfather's journal, which is full of like all kinds of weird rants. and she thinks is just, you know, the ravings of somebody who, you know, was mentally ill. But then she starts to encounter some of the things that he is ranting about. Mm. and there's, like, Things go and bump in the woods and everything sounds horrible. And I yeah, like I said, <laughs> I will not read this book. Uh, but Jess said it was deeply unsettling and she's not afraid of anything. So that hopefully will get you closer. Again, that's The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher. <laughs> I know, I know.
0: I love that when we get horror questions, because we're both like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm a weenie. Let me ask someone else. Um, So I went back to my horror, both reading and movie watching, was quite extensive up until... I, like, went to college because I don't know what it was about, like, leaving my parents' house that made me feel like I was going to be murdered all the time by ghosts, which makes no sense. Um, so I could not read or watch anything after that came out after, like, 2000. But this is the scariest book that I have probably ever read and that certainly that I read when I was able to ingest a lot of horror without it really affecting me. And it's the Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. It's a classic, obviously, of the genre. And it came out in the 70s. So it's it also is like a little bit campy, which I think is kind of fun. Um, and it, when it was released, it was marketed as a true story, which obviously it is not. So it's about um, this family, the Lutz family in the 70s in 1975, who moves into a house, which they like are in love with. It's their dream home. Um, and it's a house where a man had murdered his entire family, his parents, his brothers and sisters the year before. And that event left the house extremely haunted. And then his family manages to live in it for about 28 days before they are driven out by just the horrors that are descended upon them um, for moving in. And it was, market, again, it was marketed as a true story. And it did, like, this dude did murder his family in in... A house uh, in this area they have the same names. the Lutz family did actually move in. Of course, nothing that happened after they moved in in the book actually happened. it was invented, but it's still a good like ghost story and it's very creepy and it will make you very suspicious of every corner of your house and like every very like all the vents and all of that like your crawl space. never look at your crawl space again. why did you do that? <laughs> don't ever go in the crawl space. I have a crawl space in my both in my attic and under my house so like I'm surrounded. By terror. Mm, it's just no. terrible. Deeply no. Yeah, no, absolutely. My sump pump broke earlier in the winter of last year when we got all of that rain, and I had to crawl into the crawl space under my <laughs> house. Like, every day for like a week it was the worst it was just the worst of course my crawlspace is haunted it of course it is anyway i know it's not <laughs> please don't at me um but this book is hor- it was horrifying to me i don't know if i reread it now if i could handle it but just that that idea of like very everyday normal stuff actually being evil possessed instruments of death or it's just it just gets me so that's of course the amityville horror by jay anson lovely and the movie So many movies. There are like 45 remakes of that movie. (laughs) Um, Okay, next question is from April, who says, I find myself really wanting to read some sort of romance, but I can't find the right thing. I loved Heartless by Marissa Mayer and Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. I enjoyed Eleanor and Park, and I tried When Dimmel Met Rishi, Upside of Unrequited, and Fangirl. I also read Selection, which I didn't like. I've read several mediocre adult romances, mostly stuff I got for free, which may be where I've gone wrong. Um, I do have Kiss Quotient and The Wedding Date on my list. I seem to do best when I stick with YA, but would definitely be open to things more in the adult realm. Audiobooks are a plus. No sexual violence, please. Okay, I'm going to keep going. I went with uh, Wallbanger by Alice Clayton, um, which is an adult romance. I've never seen it. you know, available for free. Um, It is an audiobook. And I picked this one because... It's not YA, um, but it does have kind of a slow burn romance, which I think is pretty popular in young adult romance. So this is about a girl named Caroline who moves into a new apartment in San Francisco. She's got a great new job as an interior designer. And she realizes when she moves in that her neighbor, who was like gone traveling for a while, so she's never met him, um, has come back. And every night he's got a new woman in his bed and she only knows that because she can hear them like she can hence the title wall banger get it Uh, she can hear every single (laughs) woman and how they have different voices and she starts to get very annoyed by this because like their bedrooms face each other so she's losing a lot of sleep and she finally confronts him in the middle of the night one night when he's like in the middle of a gymnastic session as it sounds she goes and bangs on his door um and they have like this big argument and she, for some reason, is in a 90. I don't remember why she's in a 90 in the book. But, of course, they have, like, this tension, despite the fact that there's, like, literally another woman in his house at that exact moment. But they become friends uh, over time as neighbors. Uh, and, of course, you know, it, like, develops very slowly into something more because it's a romance novel. But it's really steamy. And the tension between the two of them through this really slow build is, like... Oh, it's so, it's like delicious. It's so good. I was actually surprised because with the title, like a wallbanger and a cover, which is like a dude holding a girl up against a wall, I would, I was like prepared for it to be um, a lot like dirtier, a lot faster than it was. And so I was really surprised that it was such a slow burn and that they don't um, get like super, super physical until their relationship as friends is really established. But I ended up really having fun with it and appreciating that. So I think you'll like it. So that's Wallbanger by Alice Clayton.
1: I picked Odd One Out by Nick Stone, which I picked because I feel like I had similar sort of mushy gushy feelingsy <laughs> feelings about it as I did Simon versus the Homo sapiens agenda. That being said, it's not a direct comp, but it is a YA, and there are, like, there's definitely a lot of romance happening. Um, The thing that makes this one more complicated is that there are three people involved. Uh, There's a guy, Coop, Cooper, um, who is, you know, been in love with his best friend, who is a lesbian for a long time like they've grown up together she's like his favorite person in the world she's his best friend also they're teenagers and he has feelings for her but like he knows it's not going to happen because she's a lesbian but they're like very snuggly with each other. And so that's, you know, complicated. Mm-hmm. And then a new girl comes in, uh, named Ray, who both Jupiter and Coop like kind of maybe are falling for. And she like is maybe falling for one or both of them. And it's really complicated and weird. And like the things get very complicated, very, very complicated in a really lovely way. I was reading this and I was like, why? Am I having so many feelings? And I was like, oh, right, because this is what it feels like to be a teenager. Everything is so complicated and you don't know who you are, who other people are. Even when you think you know who you are, sometimes you're wrong. Like, it's all just really freaking complicated. And I loved the way this book unpacked all of those complications and gave these three people, like, I was like, how is this possibly going to end well? Like, this is, and there's a moment especially where you're like, oh, no, no. They will all hate each other forever. What's going to happen? But, spoiler, they don't all hate each other forever. (laughs) Good things happen for all of them. And it's really just, man, the feelings in this book. So real, so real, so many, so many feelings. I just loved the way it all came out together. And I think it's a huge feat that she managed to pull it off because it was really. And that's one of my favorite things that romance does when you really believe when the conflict feels so real and so insurmountable. And you're like, how are you going to get over that? And I also love the supporting friendships in this book, which I feel like Simon versus the Homo sapiens agenda did well as also. Um, So there's a lot of good. Supporting character and like even parent, um, support and friendships in this book that I just think made it so amazing. Um, and Nick Stone's afterward about like why she wrote this book the way that she did is really moving and wonderful. So lots of big love for that. So again, that's Odd One Out by Nick Stone. Okay. So the next question is from Andrea, who says, I've recently started to dabble in some dark thriller reading. The book that set me on this path was Then She Was Gone by Lisa Jewell. I love the darkness of the kidnapping and the imprisonment and the things she forced upon her prisoner. No judgment, please. Uh, The twisted... And inner workings of the antagonist, also enjoyed The Last Mrs. Parish by Liv Constantine, where the bad guy got what she wanted and ultimately deserved, all at the same time. I think I'm leaning more towards the bad guy winning. After years of reading fluffy, happy romances, I'm really enjoying delving into this dark side of books. Uh, more into reading something that is just so unthinkable and messed up and leaving me shocked due to the unspeakable acts these characters do. Uh, Our kind of cruelty by airman to Hall was an interesting read, but kind of fell flat, would have liked a bit more active also liked the secrets she keeps by michael Robotham. amanda what do you have for this
0: okay i went with an elderly lady is up to no good by helene turston and translated by marlene Delarge. it has the best cover of mm-hmm. any book ever it's like cross-stitch skull um i picked this one because i i picked up i kind of latched on the where the bad guy gets what she wants portion of your question um and this is about an elderly woman obviously hence the title named Maud, who is 88 she is swedish she lives in the same apartment that she's lived in since she was a kid um by herself and she's like perfectly happy with that but she is also a serial killer and her her killings are ugh, i don't like they're obviously not justified Murder's not justifiable but when you're reading it you're very much like well i mean i get it And that's so weird. And the fact that the author can get you there to where you're like with this terrifying sociopath of an 88 year old woman and you're like kind of cool with the stuff that she's doing is, I think, kind of a feat. So she it's like a collection of short stories and each story is a new murder of hers. And like one of them, she kills this society. What's the word? This socialite who has moved into her building and is trying to trick maud into selling her her apartment because maud has this, I guess it's like the Swedish version of rent control. She's got this very large, beautiful apartment that she's lived in her whole life that was willed to her, um, and in such a way that like the, the, the building cannot sell it off from under her or can't evict her. So she has the right to stay there for basically forever, which is what her plan is. And then this like really rich, kind of spoiled socialite moves in and is trying to convince her because she assumes, of course, that like this 88 year old woman is kind of dotty and like can be taken advantage of that she's trying to convince her to move out and so maude just kills her (laughs) and then there's like a a situation where maude realizes that another one of her neighbors is being abused by her husband so she takes care of that it's like the series of murders that she commits over a lifetime basically whenever anyone is trying to inconvenience her because or when she feels like she can't trust the authorities to to make the appropriate decision so like she solves the problem herself um it's not tortury or anything i think that like a little bit of what you're looking for is are like unspeakable acts um and there isn't much of that because she is like a very you know she's like a frail older lady but she has no regrets like she has no she's so methodical she's just a sociopath and one that no one will ever suspect because she's an elderly woman and like you can just fly under the radar and it's just such an interesting examination of that idea so it's an elderly lady is up to no good by helene turston
1: That book was so much fun. It is. It's like the Golden Girls meets Dexter, basically. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, so I was thinking about the part of your question where you said, like, unthinkable, messed up, leaving you shocked, unspeakable acts, and the book I'm recommending for you is Tampa by Alyssa <laughs> Wedding, uh, with trigger warnings for child abuse. It's not possible to talk about this book without talking about that, so if you don't want to hear about that, skip ahead. So Tampa, geez, how do talk about this book? So it is about an eighth-grade English teacher who is a sociopath and a serial child abuser. She is obsessed with 14-year-old boys. The only reason she's a teacher is so that she can get to them and you are in her head for the entirety of this book. She is married and like, you know, that does not matter. Um like her husband is basically just her beard and it is really gross to be in her head for the length of this book, because you're seeing her grooming her victims and, you know, convincing them that this is what they want. And oh, it's just really and like does not care at all about anybody else. I mean, a true sociopath who is just a 100% out for herself to get what she wants. And what she wants is abusive and gross. And it is just a it's a it's a ter- I like I'm still kind of like how did I finish this book? Mm-hmm. Like I read the yes, whole thing, yeah. but like why? Why did I keep reading? It's really it's not because you I didn't identify or at least I certainly did not identify with Celeste the main character and you're just like but there's I I think you know what you're talking about is there is this weird compulsion to not look away sometimes and that is what this book is doing, and also just sort of trying to lay bare, like, what is going on in the mind of a sociopath like this? Uh, so if, so yeah, so it's real, real hard to read, and really intense and really, really unspeakably gross. <laughs> so <laughs> go with God. Uh, again, that's Tampa by Alyssa Netting.
0: I co signed everything. You t- I also finished Tampa, and I cannot explain why. Like, it's such a weird nobody enjoys that book like nobody likes reading Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody's read it and it's so strange and yeah. and inexplicable. I think I have a little kind of a theory about it. Mm. And my theory is that Unlike Lolita, which was 100% trying to romanticize that, yeah. that relationship, Tampa is not doing that. It's not romanticizing the relationship at all. And I think that there's a little bit of voyeurism, not in wanting to like watch somebody do something so unspeakable, but in wanting to understand how someone could possibly right. do something so unspeakable. Because I think child abuse is a, is a thing that we're, we're talking about a lot more openly, but it's still – there's still no explanation for why somebody would do that. There, There is none. So I don't know. I think that's ultimately what kept me going is like, I have to know why you would. Yeah, and I think, I mean,
1: I think it's a very good point that unlike Lolita, this is not at all a romanticization of that relationship. And I think also, you know, so rarely do we see female sociopaths Mm -hmm. being examined. And like when you think about um, Killing Eve, right? Like you, and I I think this is worse, quite frankly. I mean, Killing Eve is hard enough to watch. Tampa, for me, is much worse. But it is that same, like, what does it look like when a woman is a sociopath and is willing to do whatever she wants? to get whatever she wants like this is what that looks like Uh, so yeah so it's it's a weird anyway let's stop talking about that okay
2: (laughs) instead we will take a break to talk about our next sponsor today's episode is brought to you by bloom books today's episode is brought to you by avid reader press It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Kahlia Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode.
0: Okay, our next... Question is from Jessica, who says, I just finished The Magpie Lord by KJ Charles after having it on my TBR for a long time and loved it. I think I've also realized a favorite relationship trope and would love some other romance recommendations that feature a straight-laced, discreet, or serious character who gets in over their head with a livelier partner who distracts them from work, compels them to be honest, and or otherwise coaxes them into opening up or stretching boundaries. I'm uh I'll certainly be looking into this author further, and other examples might include Bound with Honor by Megan Mulrie. The Ruin of a Rake by Kat Sebastian is also on my radar. I like historicals, obviously, but contemporary might be interesting for a change. LGBT or straight is fine. I would prefer a light tone and no trigger warnings. Okay, I picked Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, which is the best romance ever written. I will broke no argument on this subject. (laughs) (laughs) It is so good. Good morning to Red, White, and Royal Blue, and only Red, White, and Royal Blue. So this is a gay romance. It's contemporary between the first son, so the son of the President of the United States, and Prince Henry of the UK who in this book it's like a very all kind of like alternate contemporary um is not the eldest so he has an older brother who will sit on the throne so this is like what's his name harry yeah, is harry the existing second the one who married megan merkel who is the only person in that relationship who matters um so it's like <laughs> the him of that of the, of the uh, universe um so alex who is the first son um is a young adult he's in his i think senior year at georgetown he lives in the white house he's very ambitious and is preparing to, um, become, like, some big political person. He wants to be president one day, basically. Um, but he, in this book, is the livelier character. Like, he's much more free with who he is. He's got kind of a reputation in the tabloids for being a, a bit of a playboy, um, and, you know, just, like, living his best life, whereas, uh, Henry, uh, has a lot more of a, a reputation for being, like, respectable and straight laced and nobody knows he's also in the closet nobody knows that he's gay alex is bisexual but does not realize that until he falls for the prince and so the book opens with them they're actually they actually start out kind of as like enemies they don't like each other very much mostly because alex has a problem with how like straight laced and buttoned up henry is and how he won't have any fun ever Um, so they start out as enemies Um, they get into like an altercation at the crown prince's wedding um, and the two countries decide that like their PR reps basically decide that you have got to pretend to be best friends like you've got to pretend that it was just a joke or whatever so this does not turn into like an international political incident so they do that they hang out they do the like Instagram photo moments or whatever Uh, they hang out a couple of times and over the course of that they realize that like they actually have a lot in common actually they really like each other actually they're secretly in love and then they embark on this like months-long affair unbeknownst to anyone, including, like, the president, who is his mother, and then it blows up in their faces and everything goes from there. Alex very much is about bringing Henry out not necessarily like out of the closet but out and like have fun you don't have to be buttoned up all the time you don't have to like carry the expectations of the crown on your shoulders literally 24 hours a day like let's go to a bar and do karaoke and that kind of stuff like he very much wants him to like be himself and have fun um so the trope really does play out in this book in a really fun way so that's red white and royal blue by Casey McQuiston
1: all right. I know you said you had The Rune of a Rake by Kat Sebastian on your radar, but I actually think It Takes Two to Tumble by Cat Sebastian is a better pick for you. And I loved this. It is sort of the gay version of um Sound of Music, kind of, a little, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, it's really fun. And it is about a young vic- country vicar. Named Ben, who had like a very unconventional upbringing, and he is now, you know, settled in as a country vicar, just doing his job, having the quiet life. He's totally fine with that. Um, And then in his parish, there is a family. Uh, a naval captain who is away and he has three wild children. And the par- parishioners come to him, come to Ben and are like, listen, this guy's kids are running wild. Like, we have a problem. Can you go take care of it? Because you're the vicar. Go do something about this. <laughs> and so he goes and he meets the kids and he like totally falls in love with them. He's just like, oh my gosh, these kids are great. And he's just like, is having a lot of fun with them. And then the naval captain father comes back and is, everything you might expect about a naval captain super buttoned up super straight laced super like rigid and stern and not interested in fun at all and of course you know things happen and so uh yeah it's and so you watch you know ben draw out this very stern tight-laced sort of Incapable of having a feeling show on his face, man, and it's really lovely. And the kids are so fun, and there's all of these really hilarious little sequences of like, you know, him playing with the kids and the dad coming in and being like, "What on earth is going on in here?" Blah 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 blah. Like, it's really really fun, and yeah, and they're, the way their relationship develops is just is just wonderful. It's really it's really heartwarming and fun. So yeah, I'm a fan. Um, again, that's it takes two to tumble by Cat Sebastian. And it's actually in the same family as uh, Ruin of a Rake. So you can go on and read that one next. Okay, next question is from Jessica, who says, I'm looking for some funny, witty, dry humor and sarcastic audiobooks. I have read Heartburn, A Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, and Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Each of these had me laughing out loud as I walked through the grocery store. Awesome. Love that. Uh, Love fiction. Would like to stay with that. The more backlist, the better. So I am just going to keep talking. I am recommending to you the book that I will probably never stop recommending for questions like this, and it is The Wangs Versus the World by Jade Chang. There is an audiobook. This book has such a dry, bitey, funny sense of humor. Oh, I love it so much. And it's a road trip novel, which is so much fun. And you get, like Where'd You Go Bernadette in some ways, multiple perspectives from the same family. So that's really fantastic. Uh, they are a Chinese-American family who the, the patriarch Charles has made a fortune in the cosmetics industry, but now it's 2008, and everything is going under, and he made some very unwise business decisions, and so now they're bankrupt. And they're, like, going to lose the house, they're going to lose the business, they're going to lose everything. And instead of just, like, letting everybody know and sitting down and, like, trying to figure out what's going to happen, he, like, collects all of his teenaged children puts them in a car with himself and his uh, and their stepmom and takes off across America to the oldest daughter's house on the other side of the country, which she owns and is not attached to the family fortune. And he is like his plan is to leave everybody with her and then go back to China to reclaim some ancestral lands that he thinks are going to like save the day. And so you get all of the different perspectives of this family as like they find out about the financial collapse and like All of their weird family baggage and one of the son, the son wants to be an aspiring comedian. So you get him like doing stand up at like a bar in Louisiana and it's like, you know, how well is this going to go? And oh, there's just all of these great, funny and also like really sort of heartbreaking in that same Where'd You Go Bernadette way moments uh, between the different family members. And I think it will absolutely suit what you're looking for. It's just, I just love this book so much. And there is, there, like I said, there is an audiobook, and it came out a while ago, so hopefully you shouldn't have too much of a hard time getting a hold of it. Again, that's The Wangs Versus the World by Jade Chang.
0: I picked kind of a classic of the, the funny book genre, I don't know, um, and that is Bridget Jones's Diary by Helen Fielding, which is, like, as backlist as you can get. It came out in the <laughs> mid-90s, um, but it is an audio. I did check. It is an audio. And I will say, so Bridget Jones' Diary is like a romantic comedy, very loosely based on Pride and Prejudice, about a British woman who has kind of like a dead-end job. She's not having any satisfying romantic relationship she's unhappy with her body and like her habits and she sets out or starts keeping a diary um with the goal of having a year where she fixes all of that we're like she's gonna get into a relationship with a fully functioning adult she's gonna lose seven pounds or whatever the random number is she's gonna stop smoking like she's gonna fix her life and so you're following her as she does these things i will say that like some of her weight diet food stuff doesn't age very well mm. I read it in like the early 2000s when I was in high school and I have reread it as an adult I still think it's super funny but if you have any issues around food I would not go there um, but if you're cool with it and can recognize that like her fixation on it is unhealthy then I think it's fine but I just wanted to put that out there. So uh she gets in like a terrible ill-advised romantic relationship with her boss. Her friends are hilarious. Her ruminations on like her mother who ends up having an affair with this random guy. Every part of it is funny. Like her, every part of it is goofy and self-aware. And she knows, like Bridget Jones knows on every level that her concerns are a little bit ridiculous. Like she knows that She doesn't need to fixate on her weight this much. She knows that her relationship with her boss is a bad idea, but she's doing them anyway because women are expected to do these things. Like, women are expected to pursue really financially successful men, even if they treat you like trash. Women are expected to, like diet themselves down until they disappear uh, and all of these kinds of things and so she doesn't she's just like an adult woman struggling with what will make her happy versus what society tells her will make her will make her happy and she's doing it with this really self-deprecating witty kind of voice um so yeah i still like it i think it holds up with that caveat about like the diet weight body image stuff is a little weird so that's bridget jones's diary by helen Fielding, a classic Mm mm-hmm all right. Our last question is from Gina, who says, who just says dark, <laughs> creepy, surreal, but written in plain, clear prose. I love a Southern Gothic. I loved a night film, Murakami's After Dark. I also love The Woman in the Window and all of Gillian Flynn. I don't mind a dark tale, but I prefer to avoid graphic depictions of violence towards women, children or animals. OK, I'm going to keep going. I picked Ghost Summer by Tanana Tananarivi Doo that is a collection of short stories that I picked because they it's got a little bit of that southern gothic thing all of these short stories take place in a small town in Florida called Gracetown which is like just outside of Georgia Um, and this town has a series of oh I don't even want to call them hauntings but like supernatural goings-on that people who live there all know about but a lot of these stories are about people who come into the town without knowing what's going on or who aren't from there originally and then have to wrestle with it so like the first story, um, I think it's called The Lake, is about a teacher who's been hired to come um teach, I think, high school. Um, so she moves to this town sight unseen. You're never told why she's leaving her other job, but in, like, kind of Alyssa Nutting fashion, you get the idea that maybe it's because she has inappropriate relationships with the boys at her old school. And so she spends the summer before her new school year starts hanging out by the lake on her property, um, not realizing that, like... The lake is not safe. Dun, dun, dun. Um, my favorite story is about a woman who moves there. I think her husband's in the military and she moves to this town. Um, no one tells her that you have to keep extra, like an extra close eye on new babies when you live in this town. Um, and so she goes from watching her kid, who's like a really fussy temperamental kid who has a lot of tantrums, to being like very chill and calm. And she realizes it's because some like, vi- she calls it a visitor, has taken residence in her kid's body. But her kid is so much more easy to handle now that she can't quite decide if she wants to do anything about it. Like it's a really weird possession story that that takes on this idea of new motherhood and like loneliness um, that comes with that and how we leave new mothers to really fun for themselves. And every story in here is taking on some kind of bigger societal issue through the lens of like ghosts and supernatural beings and beasties and like ugh, weird creepy things that live in the dark. Um, and it's just ugh, it's just unsettling. So that's Ghost Summer by Tanana Riviejo.
1: They're making, or they've optioned, or maybe they've they're actually making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for do, they, I'm so excited to see some of her stuff start to come to screen. It's really, really exciting. Okay. I picked The Man in My Basement by Walter Mosley, which is very surreal, but very straightforward at the same time, which is what makes it so weird. It is definitely dark and creepy and unsettling. And. It is about a black man named Charles Blakey who lives... I think it's like Long island kind of area. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, he and he's been living in the family home. It's been part of the family for a long time. But he is out of work and not super financially solvent and is struggling to retain ownership of the home. And one day, a white guy shows up on his doorstep and says... I would like to rent out your basement. And he's like, uh. (laughs) And then it gets weirder because the white guy wants to rent out his basement and build a cage and have Charles, like, lock him in the cage and not let him out. Like you do, right? Like NBD. This is a very strange request. It's super weird. Uh, Charles is like, (laughs) like, there's so many problems with this. Like, if anybody else finds out that this is going on, he's going to jail. Absolutely. No matter what. uh, Because, you know, he's a black guy with a potentially a white guy locked in his basement. And also, why does this guy want to be locked in what? In a cage in the basement? Like, what is going on? None of this makes sense. But he needs the money. And so he does it. He says, Yes, eventually he agrees. And so, you know, this guy like sets up shop and starts building the cage. And he starts talking to Charles, but he's not being clear about why he's doing what he is. He's just like talking and he's talking about philosophy and, you know, making these very veiled allusions to things that he's done wrong, his crimes, without saying what they actually are. And the story, it's not a long book, but it unfolds in a really sort of amazingly slow burn kind of way, just like slowly, slowly slowly, slowly, you start to find out more about both men, because neither of them are as they first appear. And, like, Charles, like, starts dating this woman, and it's like, okay, so you can't bring her home? (laughs) Like, what? How is this going to work? It's just so, like, just watching him move throughout his day when you know what's going on in his house is so weird, and, like, how he's handling it or not handling it is so weird. It's so strange. Uh, It's a really intense sort of mind bendy kind of book. And I think it will, it's definitely very gothic. It's very modern gothic. I think it will scratch that itch. So again, that's The Man in My Basement by Walter Mosley. And that's our show. Woohoo! What a weird note to end on. <laughs> I, this is a weird show, y'all. It is a weird it's, show. But it's cool. It's cool. We're not judging. Uh, these, this, this, these are your requests, and we are here to help you. So and we have
0: read these books ourselves. I was so. just going to
1: say, like, we can't throw any stones. We have read them. Uh, well, some of them. I'm not reading that T.
0: Kingfisher book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a no for me. <laughs> That's a hard no. Uh, thank you all so much for listening and for sending in your questions. Uh, reminder to please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate that. Thank you you to the sponsors for making our show possible. And you can find us on social media. Amanda, where are you at?
0: I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson.
1: And you can find me on Twitter as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's IRL, and on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we'll talk to you next time.